Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Clip and Roll. As always, I'm your host, Justin Russo. Joining me yet again is Tomara Zarli, my taco brethren. Uh, I, I don't know what else to say other than that. Like, we just enjoy tacos together, and you enjoy looking like a Siberian black bear as you eat them. It's it's incredible. The the outfit that you decided to wear last night uh, after the game as we ate tacos, you, you, you looked completely comfortable. Uh, I'm not just going to let you shit on the outfit, first of all. It sounded like there was you a, a snarky comment in there. You wore a snuggie. It was gifted to me by my best friend. I will absolutely wear that with pride to wherever I go. I I have no problem with that. I'm just saying you wore a snuggie. You were you were clothed in a snuggie. Call it whatever you want. It was comfortable. I was not cold and I was enjoying tacos. I don't know what you want from me. You wouldn't shut the hell up about how comfortable it was, by the way. I mean, yeah, I I was ready for a photo shoot over there. I might wear that to a game and just have them uh, you know, photograph me as I walk into the arena. If people want to know what Tomer looked like wearing this thing, just Google Joe Namath, like mink coat, and that will be exactly the image that pops up. And that's what he looked like is he, he just looked glamorous. Oh, my God. Stop. I just saw this for the first time. Get out of here. <laughs> it is not that. It is he looked like I, I'm going to be honest with everybody. I, I was kind of feeling poor. Like standing next to him, I felt like I felt too poor. Like I should have stood fifty feet away from this man because of how rich and and glitzy and glamorous he looked. Well, Justin tried to shit on me, and this this dude walked by, and he goes, "Yo, doesn't this guy look like he's boozy or something?" What did you say? I said, "Doesn't this guy look a look like a pretentious douchebag?" Oh yeah, and the guy was like, "No, he actually looks pretty dope. I like that. It looks pretty dope." So in your face. And then you double down, and then he doubled down on it being cool. So, yeah, this is this is I I didn't need your ego to be stroked like this. He he <laughs> added fuel to your ego flame, and I didn't need that. Well, you shouldn't have said something in the first place, then. By the way, now that you saw the Joe Namath photo, how how on point is that? Not it's similar, similar, but not totally on point. You you have to see it to, to it's similar, but not not exactly that. Oh my god. Anyways, the Clippers lost Sunday night to the Milwaukee Bucks 137-113. Um it was a weird it was, I don't want to say weird. It wasn't a weird game. Milwaukee was clearly the better team as they should be. They're the defending champs and they have all their best players healthy. The Clippers don't. Um at one point, the Clippers early second quarter were up by 9. Milwaukee makes this incredible like 15 to 6 or 50 to 16 run or 50 to 19, something like that over a long period of the game. And they go up by like 26 at one point. Um, The Clippers cut it back down to nine in the fourth with like nine minutes to go. And then Milwaukee hits another run. Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis in the fourth, carry Milwaukee to what eventually becomes a 24 point win uh, for the defending champs. But honestly, this game wasn't an indictment on the Clippers. Like nothing the Clippers did was like, Oh my God, that's so bad. I I, like, no, this entire game came down to the Milwaukee bucks are really freaking good. 
And when they're making 50% of their threes, they shot 14 of 20 on threes in the second half, the Bucks did. When they're making 50% of their threes over an entire game, it's very hard to beat that team, especially when Giannis is making threes, when Giannis is getting to the free throw line and making free throws. You know, Pat Connaughton's uh, knocking down six threes. Bobby Portis makes four. Everybody in Milwaukee's starting lineup, Milwaukee's starting lineup combined for 114 points. They outscored the entire Clippers team by themselves, albeit by one point, but that's a staggering number. And the biggest takeaway I have from this game is that Milwaukee looks scary and they might be my favorite to win the title again. Uh, I don't disagree with that. I think Milwaukee is easily the favorite given their <coughs> cohesion, uh, time together. Um, what is what's Bobby Portis's nickname with the Bucks? I forgot. They call him like the mayor, so I don't know what it is. But he's he's a fan favorite there. He's been playing well. Pat Connaughton's playing well. So like when those guys are rolling, like in the first half of that game, it was all Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and then um Giannis. And then the third quarter was all Pat Connaughton. Fourth quarter was a lot of Bobby Portis, and then Drew Holiday kind of took over there as well. So when that team is clicking, I mean you're you're just not gonna you're just not gonna beat that team. That team was fantastic yesterday. Uh, they shot, I think, fifty. They shot fifty-four from the fields, fifty from three, and eighty-four from the line. And you're not—you're just not beating that. It felt like they were taking turns. Like you know what I mean? Like Giannis mm-hmm. started the game so good, and like he was carrying them first, and then Drew stepped up, and then Middleton stepped up, and then as you said, you, you, you know, third quarter comes around. It's Pat Connaughton's time to shine, and Giannis is good again. And then the fourth quarter ends up just being Drew and Bobby Portis taking turns, just burying the Clippers. It, it, it just felt, it honestly just felt like they were taking them their turn, destroying the Clippers. And it wasn't anything the Clippers were doing wrong. It was just what was happening. And that's what makes Milwaukee so impressive to me. But we're not really here to talk the Milwaukee aspect of this. The big story from this game, as far as the Clippers, no, I mean, I know, I know, that's shocking to people uh, who are tuning in for the first time. No, this is not a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, but I will say the big story from this game, as far as the Clippers are concerned, despite the loss, despite the big loss, Norman Powell, who made his debut for the Clippers, as did Robert Covington, but Norman Powell looks every bit of the player that they traded for and the reason why they traded for him. Norman Powell finished with 28 points and four assists. He made nine of his 16 shots that included uh, Norman making four of his eight threes, six of his seven free throws. As I said, he had four assists, um, scored 28 points, which is incredible. He is, that is the most points a Clippers bench player has scored in a single game all season. And he did it in his first game. This guy Elite three-level scorer. Maybe not elite, but a very high-value three-level scorer. And I think that's something the Clippers bench unit didn't have. Now, is Norman Powell going to be a starter? I guess that's a discussion we can have uh, going forward today. But game one, Norman Powell, incredible. Yeah, I mean, there's really nothing to – no other words you can use to to describe him besides incredible. I mean, he was efficient. He scored from every every area in the floor. He repeatedly got to the line and put pressure on the rim. and. Um, that's about what you, uh, what you expected out of him. I mean, I don't know that you can continue to bring him off the bench because he's just so good. Um, that would also be like, what, two $17 million guys coming off the bench for them. So I don't know if you can, <laughs> you can do that. Um, 
but I, I do think Norm Norm is good enough to to start. Um, if I had to guess, I'd probably say like Nico gets pulled uh, because I think they do want to kind of limit some of his minutes a bit as the season winds down. Um, you know, obviously we have the All Star break, but that's not a guy you want to overwork, um, especially with the postseason berth still kind of on the line. Um, so I, I think you could see probably you know Norman inserted the starting lineup as as the two guard. Um, you know, Amir Coffey shifting down to the three, and then you have Marcus Morris, Zubats in the front court with Reggie Jackson as the point guard. Um, that's kind of my guess. They, there's still a lot of options that they can, that Ty Luke can kind of tinker with and play with. Um, I don't think there's, and I don't think there's going to be any like set rotation because you can make a case for literally like ten guys on this team. Um, I don't think that even includes Brandon Boston, who has had you know some some good moments this year. So. Um, They've got a lot of a lot of big a lot of big players to uh to you know they can kind of mess around with and uh, I think Norman immediately probably becomes their their number one scoring option. Um, you know Marcus Morris obviously he's been he's been very elite in in that mid to high post extended free throw line, um, but you know when you talk about just 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 from a mid range aspect go, attacking the rim shooting the three at a high level especially off the dribble. Um, that guy is Norman Powell. He gives you all of that, and I think uh, I think if you don't do this soon, you, you Ty should probably just you know eventually just put the ball in Norman's hands and just go you know you know, go make it happen for us. Go, you're the number one guy right now with Kawhi and PG out. Go create for us. Go score the ball, and uh, we'll kind of we'll kind of we'll go as you go. And um, you know we might see some dips in efficiency because he's been a really good shooter from all all areas of the court. But I think that's a role that fits him. Uh, given the the roster that is currently uh, is currently there. Speaking of Marcus Morris, by the way, twenty points, eight rebounds, four assists, seven of fifteen overall, five of eight on threes. Uh, he did this in thirty minutes. Now, yes, the Clippers lost, but uh, the reason I'm bringing him up since coming back from missing three consecutive games due to personal reasons, Marcus is averaging eighteen and a half points, six rebounds, three assists, shooting forty nine percent from the field but 54% on threes. Now the 54% is going to come down, obviously. However, what we've seen out of Marcus is that even since probably I would say, you know, early December in his last 24 games, which is a pretty large sample size for him because he's only played 30 games this year, but his last 24 games, Marcus is averaging 18 points, six rebounds, two assists, 45% from the field, 42% 42% from three on five and a half threes a game. Now this is a guy in Marcus Morris and yes, the trade deadline's coming up and there, there might be teams who are interested in him and maybe the Clippers could flip him for a future first or for a player or, or whatever. What, like it doesn't matter at this point, considering what he has done, no Kawhi, no PG. And the fact that guys have been in and out of the lineup, you know, throughout the year, including himself, we're talking about a guy whose efficiency hasn't really dipped, including and especially from three, while taking a little bit tougher looks. If you look at him just since PG's been out, so since the end of December, starting on December 27th when he when Marcus came back from health and safety protocols to play Brooklyn at home, Marcus is averaging 18 a game, five and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, shooting 40% from three on five and a half attempts. This is a very efficient guy, and he's been the number one maybe one B to Reggie Jackson at times offensive option, you know, during that stint. So the fact that he's been this efficient 
as the number one or number two guy really bodes well for when Kawhi or PG either come back this season or next season. He is the perfect piece around them as a spot-up shooter, as a guy who could also go get a, a basket out of the mid-post, things of that nature. So he's a very intriguing guy to me, and I'm very intrigued to see what happens with him going forward. But alongside Norman Powell, they got Robert Covington from Portland. Robert Covington's first game, he also came off the bench like Norman Powell did. 13 points, 4 rebounds. Big thing for uh, uh, Rocco is that he made half of his 6 threes. He was 3 of 6 on threes. Made both of his free throws. Also had 4 rebounds, as I said. Also had a steal. The interesting thing to me, and by the way, he had a very impressive play in this game in the fourth quarter, but when it was still kind of a game, he darts in for an offensive rebound, skies up, grabs it, kicks it out to Norm, relocates to the corner. Norm hits him, knocks home a uh, Rocco knocks home a three. Covington's value is twofold. Number one, um, he helps, he's Batum insurance. If, if the, A, the Clippers trade Batum this before the deadline, which I don't think they will, or, or if Batum walks in free agency in the offseason because he does have a player option, and they can re-sign Rocco with Rocco's bird rights. Number two, and the, the thing I think that hasn't been talked about a lot, I think he's Batum insurance and Morris insurance this season in terms of keeping those two guys' minutes down and not burning them out as you make a potential playoff run. And I think that's something that hasn't really been talked about. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mentioned that a little earlier. Uh, Nico's not a guy you really want to wear. That guy, that's a guy who's, whose value shows up more in the postseason than in the regular season, um, just in terms of his, his basketball IQ and his versatility. Um, I would say probably the same goes for Marcus. Uh, but he's obviously much better on the ball um, than Nico is. But, um, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I think <laughs> I think Covington definitely provides a lot of what Batum does. Um, maybe not as, as high of a level, but um, he's a younger guy who's, you know, a bit healthier um, and can do it for longer stretches, I would say. Uh, the The biggest thing I, I would say is, yeah, I don't think they trade Batum at the deadline. I, 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 it'd be hard for me to see him leaving in free agency after coming here twice, one year knowing that Kawhi might not be back. Um, so I, I do think they kind of work something out there, and um, we'll see how that goes, though. But yeah, I mean, Batum's been really good uh, all all season, really. You know, he's had to deal with so much as far as COVID and the Achilles soreness, and I think he had an ankle soreness as well, ankle uh, sprain. So. Um, again, a guy that's much, much more important in the playoffs than the regular season, and you have no back-to-backs in the playoffs, so might as well use Covington to kind of save him uh, there. But uh, Covington's, a, Covington's a, a, a nice little piece they got there. I mean, he's kind of – I feel like, you know, everyone's talking about Norman and not so much Rocco. He's kind of the afterthought here. But that's a guy who, like you said, they have his bird rights. They can re-sign him in the offseason. Uh, he's, he's just as versatile. He's a bigger body. He's got – um, good timing. I think he's one of the very few players this season averaging both a steal and a block per game. Uh, I can only think of a handful of players that usually do that in a season. So um, definitely, uh, you know, and, and he shoots a high percentage from three. Well, high. He shoots about league average from three, which which is, is fine. He kind of has his good games and bad games. But, um, you know, it was debut got, got started off with a three for six uh, shooting night from beyond the arc. So definitely welcome. Um, 
yeah, I guess it's just up to how Ty kind of uses him over the next couple of weeks. Um, if they don't trade him at the deadline, I know they could, but uh, yeah, it, 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 a lot remains to be seen and kind of figured out over the next couple of weeks, days and weeks. Yeah, this is, um, it, it's, it's going to be rather interesting for Ty because um, post rotation wise is, is what I mean, because before the trade, it was okay to not play Bledsoe 24 minutes. Sometimes you could play him 18 and he'd be okay. Or you could just not play justice Winslow at all. So you like, like there might've been fewer guys playing. So it was easier to dole out and divvy out minutes. Like, you know what I mean? But now you added Norman and you added Rocco. And those are two guys who have to play. So now your rotation is essentially 11 guys. And we're talking Nico, Marcus, Zoo, Amir, Reggie, Serge, Luke, Norm, Terrence, Rocco, and Isaiah. That's 11 guys. And finding minutes for 11 guys is very tough. And Ty got asked about it postgame. Like, how do you make sure guys get enough run to get in the flow of games? Because it's tough to give everyone minutes. And Ty did say, quote, it can take a little time just to try to get them acclimated, try to figure out how we want to play without a traditional point guard on the floor. And it's going to take a little time. The minutes are going to be, however, he said the minutes are going to be, you know, however, until we figure it out. And then we just got to go from there. So it's going to take time. It's going to take a little bit of trial and error for Ty. This is a learning curve, not only for the players, but for himself too, to learn two new players in the middle of the season and try to figure everything out. So it's going to be rather interesting to watch. Speaking of post-game, I thought Rocco and Norm were very open about the discussions they had with with uh, the Portland Trailblazers and their time here. Norman especially felt like he had a lot to say, didn't he? He felt like he had a lot. I mean, he did say a lot, yeah. Um, he... he <laughs> I mean, it's it, people forget the... <laughs> the personal side and the non-basketball side of this, which is like, uh, th- you know, these are human beings who kind of have to pack up their lives and move. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, Norman Powell said the only bad thing was that he, what did he say? He, he, he just bought his house and unfortunately just moved in his furniture. So he didn't even get to, you know, kind of, kind of wear those in a bit, you know, that couch, the, the tables, all that stuff. So yeah, he's got to move all that stuff now. Uh, he is he is a San Diego native, so uh, he said he was happy to come back home uh, to SoCal. He's gonna be. He said his parents and uh, his mom and his sister. I think he said, and, and I think maybe his friends were gonna go to the games a lot more. So um, definitely gonna be easier for him and his family um, now that he's here in, in Los Angeles. But uh, yeah, I think he was you know more shocked than anything. He said he, you know, he admitted he didn't think he was he didn't think he was untradeable, but. He figured he just signed for a five-year deal. He's probably going to be in Portland for a while. And, uh, well, uh, he thought. And then uh, Robert Covington, uh, I mean, I think he, he, what did he mention? He said he thought he was going to the East Coast, which was surprising. I think he figured yeah, one of those his, teams. His, his quote, his quote, this is what, this is what Rocco said. Uh, initially, it was a shock because the Clippers, I did not think I was going to be coming this way. I thought it was more I'd be going on the East Coast, but the opportunity is new, and I've embraced it. Yeah, so de- definitely, um, again, a, a, a bit of a steal. People, you know, a bit of an afterthought, I would say, but maybe, maybe <laughs> he becomes so important to this team. I, I think they're able to retain him, or if they want to trade him for something else. But um, 
I mean, it, it makes sense though to keep him as Batum insurance, Batum and or Morris insurance. So I kind of don't feel like they're gonna they're going to um to to deal him at the deadline. I mean, I, again, you never know when something comes up that that you kind of can't pass up on. But um, assuming there's nothing. There's no more Blazers out there who want to just get rid of good guys on under contract. Um, I would assume Rocco stays, and uh, this is a place that he probably wants to stay as well. I would say I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, uh, you know, makes a push to stay here, um, you know, develop a bond with some of the guys, and uh, you know, continue it on beyond just this season. But um, two guys who, I, both guys, I would say, did not feel gettable for the Clippers. Maybe Covington a lot more so than Powell, but. Um, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, Gary Trent was traded for Norman Powell last year. Covington was just a couple of years removed from being traded for, I believe, two firsts in the Minnesota Correct. trade, I want to say. So, like, this is these are guys who are, who are valued around the league. Um, and I'm sure contenders are absolutely livid that they weren't able to steal a Norman Powell or steal a, a Robert Covington, and they both ended up in the Clippers. I mean, <laughs> they got to be pissed. Norman got asked uh, if he thought, well, first off, he got asked about his reaction to the trade and if he thought he would be coming here. His direct quote was honestly, no. When my agent called me, I didn't believe it. I knew they were, I knew they, meaning Portland, were going to make moves just, just the way that Ant, uh, um, Anthony Simons was playing and how the team is structured and wanted to build. Some of the guys were talking. I definitely didn't, and he meant think, just because I signed. I knew I wasn't untradeable, but because I signed the long-term deal I had, five years, I bought a house out here. I was like, I'm going to be out here for a little bit. That was the only bad thing about the about the trade. I just got my furniture into the house, so I didn't really get to enjoy that. I definitely didn't think I was going to be traded, but it feels good. I was excited. I was definitely excited to be coming home. So, yeah, if 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 you people were shocked that Norman Powell got traded by Portland to the Clippers. He was equally as shocked by all accounts. So, you know, Clippers have to feel, by the way, this is why the Clippers doing this deal early was perfect because this deal doesn't happen. The closer you get to the deadline, like, do you understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah. No, no, of course. Cause you get more options. Teams get a little more desperate, try to add in more, more, you know, assets just to make sure they can ensure a deal. And then get it the, done. The, so. the trade wins, the trade wins become more pronounced across the league. But like more teams across the league would have heard, oh, Portland might be shopping Norman Powell, and that drives the price up. Yeah, I'm sure that's, that's kind of what pushed the Clippers to just get the deal done as soon as they could before word got out. Because I don't even think, I don't think there was a single rumor about Norman Powell. You all you heard was Nurkic, Covington, McCollum. And maybe Larry Nance. I did not even hear anything about. Uh, I mean, there were more Damian Lillard rumors than there were Norman Powell rumors. I mean, I, I, I did not see that coming at all. So, um, yeah, that yeah, was very shocking. Something, definitely something that I think you know. Once the Clippers caught wind of, they were like, okay, what do we need to do to get this deal done? How do we help you um, complete? You know, get what you want out of this, and they got it done right away. I mean, <laughs> this 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 trade came. What I want to say about. 14 hours after they beat the Lakers. So a very busy, busy, um, you know, 36, four, 36 to 48 hours uh, for the Clippers. Hey, at least I got to practice after getting the new guys, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Which is a but very, it came to the point where the new guys practice. couldn't even practice. That's true. By the way, uh, Norman Powell did say, and, and we'll end the Norman talk on this, Norman, Norman Powell did say that he knew 
Kai Lu was a big fan of his. Um, and this is what he had to say. Uh, I talked to Ty yesterday when we were at dinner and I always felt like that he had an interest in me since back in the bubble, talking to him and passing and stuff. He was always asking me questions about my game, my stats and this, that, and the other. So I know their interest was there. I was excited that I was going to be under his wing now. Uh, and then he, then he said, I'm in good hands with T Lou. And I know I am all the things I've heard about him as a coach, seeing him as a player as well. So I'm excited to be here. So this sounds like a move that Ty Lue definitely signed off on, which I mean, at some point your head coach has to have some say, you know what I mean? Well, don't tell the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau that. Well, we're not going to go down. <laughs> that road, so. uh, no, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure Ty Lue, you know, I think the day before I, I was the one who asked him like, how do you navigate through that? How do you, and he's like, I'm happy with the team we have. Uh, you know, the usual coach speak and it's a business and all that. And then, um, no, they turn around and they trade for Norman Powell. They, they, you know, they send Bledsoe, Keon, and Justice over there to Portland. And um, here we are. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the Clippers definitely got a win here. I think they, they, they absolutely snuck one in there um, before all the trade chaos started. Um, and I honestly would not – I wouldn't be surprised to see him make more moves, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of just sit it out uh, with nothing that they might like. I guess the only thing that does make sense for them is obviously Serge Ibaka because he – is a free agent, and it looks like they're probably, you know, it looks like both team, both sides have kind of reached their their end here. But uh, like, if you're the Clippers, I think you just try to get something for Serge, um, you know, possibly possibly even a trade exception or maybe a, a roster spot for a point guard. I don't know, but something because it feels like you don't want to lose him for nothing. Speaking of Serge, and we're going to end this on this, and I want to talk to you this before you went on the air and started to record. I said I came across a fake trade that I wanted to discuss with you. And I wouldn't tell Tomer what the fake trade was. Greg Swartz uh, of Bleacher Report on Monday, February 7th, dropped uh, an article and it was just one trade idea for every team before the deadline. Like we see this all the time. Most of them are just whatever. This one was a little bit different because usually you see with the Clippers, it's you never know what you're going to get. This one was interesting. So here's the deal. The Pelicans receive Sergi Baca, Luke Kennard, a 2022 second round pick and a 2024 second round pick. The Clippers receive Jonas Valanciunas. Real quick, do you do this deal if you're the Clippers? Uh, Jolan Valanciunas. Oh, I can't even talk right now. Um, Jonas Valanciunas just signed a new deal with the Pelicans, correct? Yeah, he just signed a two year, $30 million deal with them. Yes, he did. He's under contract for two more years. Uh, it goes 14.7 and then 15.4. So he signed an extension, I believe. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I would say. And by the I way, I, say... I haven't even, I haven't even looked at the legality of this trade. So I, I need, I, I, I'm going to actually do this while you're talking. I don't know if this trade's even legal. I just, just operate that it is. And then we'll go from there. I would say yes. Um, just in the sense that Jonas Valanciunas is probably, um, a, you know, he's, a, he's a, one of the best offensive centers in the league, I would say. Um, obviously not on the Jokic and B tier, but he's probably, I would say, a tier. Would you say a tier two, tier three scoring center? I would say probably something like that. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't disagree. No, I wouldn't disagree. He, again, he's not Jokic and B level, but he is a guy who can. Who's, I mean, maybe it's just that I've seen him torch the Clippers every time they play, but he seems like. 
uh, a, a guy who's capable. And, you know, p- when you put him on a good team, he's capable of playing well. Um, I mean, again, I, I, I've talked to you about this. I feel like this this roster as it stands, um, I don't think this is trade Luke Kennard. I think there still is a role for him. But I think you can also make a case that um, his role might be a little inconsistent moving forward where, um, you know, you now have Norman Powell. Terrence Mann is more of the, the point guard. Amir Coffey is going to be really good for you. Um, so they kind of have to decide what they're going to do there. Um, and I don't know if Luke has a consistent role. And I don't know if you want to pay a guy $16 million a year to not have a consistent role. Um, so while I don't think you need to trade him, I do think that you also need to look at maximizing his value. And he probably will, you know, once Kawhi and PG come back, Luke will not look as good as he has been over the last couple of weeks or months. So, um, Again, don't think this is a guy you need to trade, but I think you need to look at potentially maximizing value with guys on the team. Uh, but I, I also will say um, this is something way down the line, but, you know, stars, disgruntled stars always appear uh, every couple of years, it seems like. And I wouldn't be surprised to see, um, you know, could, could you imagine Norman Powell, um, Luke Kennard kind of deal with, with another team for, for a star? I don't know. It's possible. It's, it's very far-fetched right now, but it's possible. So, All right, you ready for the cold water? Uh, sure. He's not trade eligible. Who? Valanciunas. Because he got an extension uh, before the season, he is not trade eligible. So this trade isn't even legal? This trade is not even legal. <sighs> I put so much time and effort into thinking about this, and it's not even... <sighs> I need some, I need some tacos and a nice little bear sweater. Wow. By the way, no animals were, were hurt in the making of that sweater, but still. Oh my god! Okay, that. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, no animals were hurt. Okay. That that is frustrating. It's annoying though that you <laughs> you can't even trade this player <laughs> because he signed his extension before training camp. He is unage- unable to be traded. He's ineligible. So yeah, <laughs> uneligible. <laughs> uneligible. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what word I tried to say. I don't English. I don't English right now. <laughs> At least I believe he's ineligible. I just tried to do it, and I went to look, and it's just I don't think it's allowed. So I believe he is ineligible to be traded. Anyways, if he was eligible to be traded, though, I, th- I love Luke. I also think I might do this deal if he was allowed to be traded. He being Jonas. I still think I might do this deal because it gives the Clippers a scoring center who does have spacing. And when things bog down, you can throw him the ball in the post. And he's such a good offensive rebounder. He absolutely helps you earn extra possessions. Jonas is averaging 18 and 12 this year and two and a half assists, shooting 40% from three. Like, he's had an incredible offensive year. Um... I just, yeah, if he was eligible, eligible, uh, I can't even talk. Mm. If he was eligible to be traded. Yeah. Like this is I'm so annoyed now that I even spent time on this. I should have looked this up before I asked you, but also getting you to spend a couple minutes on a trade that isn't even legal was the highlight of my day. So I thank you for that. You're wasting my time. I know I would like Jonas. It's also a difficult trade. I mean, in terms of letting Luke go, but who knows? Cause I, I, I'm of the belief that Luke and Norm can play together. That's just my belief, but um, I know others don't really agree, but that's okay. Um, Either way, buddy, 
there seems like there's going to be more trades that are going to be happening uh, with the Clippers, with obviously other teams around the league. So can't wait to find out what happens, you know? I mean, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping it's not too busy, but I could, you know, never bad, I guess. It's never bad to have a busy trade deadline. It's always fun, chaotic. Uh, so um, I, I will say I, I, <laughs> I do want to see what the Lakers do over the next couple of weeks. Uh, oh, the next couple of days, um, and because you know one of Lawrence Frank's comments after the during the press conference, again there was no immediate thinking to the Lakers, but it did strike me as kind of like, oh, okay, that might be a little bit of shade thrown his way. Uh, do you remember which which comment I'm talking about? Uh, no, Re- refresh my mind. Where he said something about um, when I asked him about getting a point guard, and he goes, "We just want players that fit. Like we never have too many wings." Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Um, he said something about you, you can never have too many wings. Um, let me see. Yeah, you never have too many wings. Uh, we're very fortunate to have a surplus of wings. When you kind of look at roster construction, you play around the strengths of your best players. So our best, our two best guys are wing players. When you look at Kawhi and PG, both regular season and postseason, and again, this is in regards to a question about having a point guard. Uh, Frank says uh, their usage rate combines at around 60%. So surrounding them with guys who can make shots, defend multiple positions. Um, you know, you saw that with Ty doing it in the, in, the, in the postseason. We play smaller at times, switchability. Uh, so he thinks having a lot of wings and maybe a, a bit of a lack of a point guard is a great problem to have, um, which was funny considering I think the Lakers could have had another wing in Buddy Heald, and they, they kind of just elected to go with, uh, who was it, Russ, Russell Westbrook, uh, I believe is how it played out. So, um that that kind of stuck out to me. I think a lot a few people on Twitter also kind of noticed that, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It could be nothing as well. Could be nothing. Here's the thing. Lawrence talked about how like the roster construct what was his phrase? Roster construction is ongoing. That was the phrase, right? Yeah, he said I think roster building is very much ongoing. And he said it like 3 times. It wasn't like a one-time Comment. He said it several times. He said it to start. He said, uh, when it comes to point guard, it's something we talk about internally. And then he ended by saying, uh, you know, after all that stuff, he said, uh, he said, well, roster construction is ongoing. It's not like it stops on Thursday either. It keeps ongoing. Yes, that is. Uh, it's it's very telling. By the way, if Eric Bledsoe gets traded again and that team buys him out, he could always come back to the Clippers. Welcome and back. back point guard. Yeah, baby, let's go. <laughs> Just got to get traded one more time, you know? <laughs> not out of the equation. It's really not. I mean, who the hell knows? There was the comment from Bledsoe on Monday in Portland where he says, I'm I'm just a professional. I come in and I do my job. And it reminded me of how Lawrence Frank, when he talked to us on Saturday at, at practice, said like two or three times, Eric Bledsoe is a pro. Like he kept saying pro. And I was like, that's a very interesting way to describe somebody. It kind of just meant like Bledsoe knew he was going to get traded at some point in the season. And he still came in every day and did his job, which is a very professional thing. Like no, no bullshit. That is beyond professional. So, you know, hats off to Bledsoe and hats off to everybody for having open discourse about it and being able to tell each other the truth. That's a good thing. All right. So, Mayor, we're done. You got anything for the good people? Stay warm out there, fellas. And get cold. Stay warm. Oh my god! Not everyone has a Siberian black bear sweater like you do. Okay, uh, and you can just wear a regular jacket. You don't have to wear a freaking. Um... Oh, Fred Van Lee got engaged. What a week for him! That's pretty sick. It's the second ring he's had. 
Yeah, he gets an all-star for the first time. Oh, um, no, technically the third ring, because they're giving out all-star rings this year. They are? Yes, that's what oh, I, I saw. It could be wrong. So, you know. Oh, well then. Okay, three rings for him. Second of three rings. Sorry. Nice grand. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone out there, if, stay if he warm. Gets a, be cold. If he gets a couple more... He'll he'll rule the Shire and the Hobbit. And oh my God! Okay, of, he'll done. be the Lord of the Rings at this point. You know, you are cut off. I am done. I am done. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you. In, uh, whenever news breaks, we'll talk to you. Everyone, take it easy. We'll see you later.